Good morning, sports fans, bettors, and cappers, and welcome to the Daily Competitive Hedge Podcast. I'm your host of the show, Kenneth Cotterell, and we are back. It's been a little time since we've been uh, on here, took some time off, went to Vegas, got to enjoy some time with my beautiful wife, did not win in Vegas, so it was a, a rather tough trip from that perspective, but nonetheless, we are back, we're ready to go, we're ramping up to the NFL season starting. We are still in the dog days of summer, though, with all the baseball that we have going on. And so this show is all about sports and the world of betting. We talk about a few results from yesterday's games and the headlines that were made over the weekend. Before we get into today's betting slate, as well as talking about the games we're on, which bets we like, and we cap it off with our favorite early plays of the day. So our episode today is brought to you by our sponsor, Bet99. Bet99 is a Canadian sportsbook and casino that offers in-play betting, player props, a cash-out option, and many more great products. There are a variety of sports available on the website to bet on, including NHL, NBA, NFL, and, as we talked about, MLB. Bet99 works smoothly on both desktop and mobile. The Bet99 mobile app can be downloaded from the homepage of the website. Now, depositing and withdrawing funds is hassle-free with a number of well-known methods available to use so you know your money is safe and secure. The website is available both in English and in French, and customer service is available 24-7. So go to bet99.com to make an account to get started. Please gamble responsibly. You must be 19-plus years of age and available to people in Ontario. So I want to start it today by talking about our Athlete of the Day, and it is a bit of a somber one as rest in peace to Bill Russell, one of the absolute legends, not only of the NBA, just an overall great person, everything that he did while he was on this earth. Truly a major loss for the world, not just the NBA. Russell was one of the best to ever play the game. He was an 11-time champion, a five-time MVP. He won a gold medal. He was a two-time NCAA champion. He was also the first blackhead coach in North American pro sports history, and he won two titles as a head coach. And he was just an absolute legend. You could see it from all the posts yesterday on social media. So we're going to take a quick moment of silence for Bill Russell this morning. All right, and with that, let's get into yesterday's recap when it comes to the sports betting slate. Now, we were three and four yesterday. We had a good day on the diamond. The Royals cashed the plus one and a half. You could have taken the money line as they won eight to six over the Yankees. You had the Pirates money line failed eight to two versus the Phillies. The Reds money line cashed minus 125 versus the Orioles. And the White Sox run line cashed against Oakland four to one. Outside of that tough betting day, the Mercury lost by 20. We were on their money line, and the Aces and Fever went under by a mile. We were on the over 173 and a half. 
And then to top it all off, the CFL was a tough one. The Argos lost outright versus Ottawa, 23-13. to Just a tough day overall. But we're back doing the live show now. We're more dialed in than ever. And so we are ready to get into today's topics. Now, let's start with all those MLB games from yesterday. There was a ton of them. You had the Jays 4-1 to over the Tigers. The Braves 1-0 over the Diamondbacks. The Red Sox 7-2 over the Brewers. The Cardinals 5-0 over the Nationals. You had the Guardians 5-3 over the Rays. The Mets 9-3 over the Marlins. The Mariners lost 3-2 against the Astros in the 10th inning. You had the Dodgers 7-3 over the Rockies. The Rangers 5-2 over the Angels. The Padres 3-2 over the Twins. And the Giants 4-0 over the Cubs. Along with those games that we had mentioned as well that we lost from a betting perspective. Now, the Ottawa Red Blacks also won 23-13 over the Argos. Good to see Ottawa finally pick up their first victory, despite the fact that we did not have a great betting day. They had a great game from Caleb Evans, though. He threw two touchdowns, no interceptions, and he was 24 of 29, so he had a great day overall. When we're talking about WNBA yesterday, the Sky won 95 to 92 in overtime, the Liberty 89 to 69 over to Mercury, the Mystics 78 to 75. They win a close one at home versus the Seattle Storm, and then the Aces 94 to 69 and the Lynx 84 to 77 over the Sparks. Now, when we're talking about headlines from yesterday, Debo Samuel, he got paid, he got his extension, he'd been holding out a little bit. Three years, $71.55 million from the San Francisco 49ers. This one comes in a little bit under what DK Metcalf asked for. But I like this extension for San Fran. It looks like Lance will be the QB moving forward there. They've got Kittle. They've got a lot of weapons. And so Samuel's coming off a top three wide receiver season as far as production goes. I think he deserved to get paid. A lot of the guys that have gotten contracts this summer, like a Christian Kirk, They did not earn those contracts based off their production. A lot of it is projecting where they're going to go. But I like this extension for San Fran. I think Debo is going to have a big year for them in the Bay Area. And then it was a great golf weekend. You had Tony Finau won the Rocket Mortgage Classic at minus 26. He goes back to back, the first guy to do it on tour in a few years. And he set a new scoring record as well when he went minus 26. He wins by five shots over Patrick Cantley, Cameron Young, and the Canadian Taylor Pendrith. I wish I could say I was sad from the Pendrith perspective, but I did have Tony Finau to win this event, so the plus 1,400 cashed for the host of the show. And then on the live tour side of things, I actually spent a little bit of time tuning in on YouTube this past weekend. I wanted to see what it was all about, and Henrik Stenson, he wins the live tour event at Trump Golf Course. Finished at minus 11. That was two better than Dustin Johnson and a charging Matthew Wolf, who had a great uh, final day. But the four aces, they won the team competition once again. Reed, DJ, Perez, and Gooch, they pick up the win. But it was just a busy weekend overall. We we saw it last week. Stenson got removed as Ryder Cup captain when he said that he was going to take part. They announced Luke Donald would be the new Ryder Cup captain. We also saw Liv is expanding what they're doing. They were supposed to be just eight events. They're going to be 14 in 2023. We saw the addition of Bubba Watson. He's 50 plus million, it looks like, to head to live golf. It does get rid of the the smaller schedule idea, this whole eight to 14. Still not going to be a full schedule. They're going to be playing those 14 events plus the four majors. 
We saw David Faraday head over, was expecting him to be more so out there talking to the players, but he was in the booth and I think he did a good job. And we saw Charles Howell and Kokrak also had joined up and they played in this past event. So I think it was a good golf weekend overall. I think the competition was there this weekend. We still haven't seen a live event going up against a field that is truly stacked with your Rory's, your JT's, your Rom's, your Scheffler's. I don't think that it's real competition yet. You can tell by the crowds. They still have not been getting involved from that perspective. But this is an upstart tour. I think it is here to stay. It looks like they're going to continue to pour money into this thing. The crowds will need to get bigger on the live side. But looks like a lot of money was made overall for the golfing world this past weekend. So with that, let's talk today's bets. And we switched things up a little bit. You know, doing a morning show it can be tough to put out parlays when you're we're looking at, you know, a, a 6.30 in the morning uh, betting line. So what we've decided to do moving on is we're going to have the competitive parlay that we're going to post on social media later in the day. But we're just going to talk about early plays that we like. We're going to give you the early hedge five. That's going to be the five plays that we like the most. And then we're going to narrow that down once we get final lineups and everything else. Just another reason to go and follow us on social media at HedgePod because that's where you'll find all of these uh, betting lines where we're going to post our final parlay and then you can bet alongside us as we always say, bet responsibly. So let's talk today's bets. Now this is a bit of a lighter day. It is Monday. No soccer happening outside of Watford and Sheffield United. If you're into German soccer, there's a little bit of that out there. No WNBA, no golf. Strictly baseball today, but we are also going to take a little look at the early Premier League lines uh, that they put out on Bet99. So let's talk about these baseball plays. First game that starts is Reds versus Marlins. You've got Green on the mound taking on Lazardo. I do like the early betting line here for the Marlins. It is, it's not one that's going to be featured in the hedge five, but I do like this line from a betting perspective. I do think that. The Marlins do have the pitching edge in this matchup, so really like that one there. Then we've got Mets. They're minus 240 versus the Nationals. Depends what book you're on. I'm seeing 7.5, but also on Bet99, they're at 8. If you can get 7.5, I like the over in this game. Uh, You do have Scherzer going, so I'm expecting the Mets to carry as far as the hitting goes. In this game, they are taking on Patty Corbin. Very hit and miss when it comes to pitching. Then you got Yankees minus 175 taking on the Mariners. You got German and Gonzalez going. Don't love either of these pitchers. So we'll see. Might be featured in our hedge five in a few minutes here. Guardians minus 145 versus the Diamondbacks. You've got Quantrill and his 3.97 ERA taking on Zach Davies. You got Twins and Tigers not touching that game. Don't love those lines. Rangers minus 165 versus the Orioles. John Gray going, big fan of his, and he's taking on Watkins, who I'm not very high on. Then you've got Kopacek taking on Keller in the White Sox versus Royals. White Sox are minus 175. Really liking that White Sox line early on. You got the Astros minus 190 versus the Red Sox. You got the Padres minus 210 versus the Rockies. And then to cap it off, probably the game of the day, you got Giants and Dodgers. You got Logan Webb going up against Austin Haney. Now, when we're talking EPL-wise, they have put out the early betting lines, as we had mentioned, for these EPL games. 
Now it is tough to bet up to bet straight up money lines in soccer. It's not a play that I found I have a lot of success. But the ones that I do look at are the both teams to score because it is a bit of a higher scoring league. You don't have a lot of great back fours, which means that there's plenty of scoring in these leagues. You're maybe not taking a both teams to score when you're taking on a Liverpool or a Man City. But when you've got these more mid-tier clubs, then there's definitely some value there. So three that I really like just early on. These games are not happening until the weekend, but really like them. Bournemouth and Aston Villa, both teams to score, is minus 125. Don't love either of their back fours, but I think they have the offense for both teams to score. Same goes for Leeds versus Wolves, both teams to score at minus 129. Leeds was lucky to avoid relegation. They don't have Rafinha. He was a big part of that team last year. So I think you're going to see a guy step up and score and lead this group moving forward. And then the last one that I'm on, I like Manchester United versus Brighton, both teams to score. I just hate this Man United back four. I'm a Man United fan, full disclosure. I just don't think that they have the back four to keep up with these top clubs. That's why you're going to see them uh, maybe not battling for top four this year, in my opinion. And so I think Brighton figures out a way to score, but so will United with Ronaldo up front. Now, when we're talking about the early hedge five, these are the top five plays that we like. So let's start with Giants money line versus the Dodgers plus 115. I like Webb over Haney in this one. Haney's been hurt throughout the year. I just think that the Giants are looking to make a statement here that they, the Dodgers are not the class of this division, that they can compete with them. And so I like the money line at plus 115. I also like Rangers run line versus the Orioles at plus 125. As I mentioned earlier, John Gray, I like a lot more than Spencer Watkins. The Orioles coming off a tough series with the Reds where they lost a couple of games. And I think that continues versus this Rangers team. Nationals versus Mets over eight is plus 100. If you can get it at seven and a half, then I would definitely jump on that. I'll have to take a look here to see what the seven and a half line is. But nonetheless, I think it's a great opportunity Yes, Scherzer is going, and so there's a bit of cause for concern. Minus 120 is what you can get the 7.5 at, but I just think that Corbin's not going to show up in this game. The Mets' bats are going to get to him early, and they're going to cruise past the over. Then you got the Mariners plus 1.5 versus the Yankees at minus 130. I'm not crazy about either pitcher in this matchup. Don't love German. Don't love Marco Gonzalez. I think we could be in for the Mariners keeping it close, and so I like the minus 130 there. And then the Astros run line versus Boston at plus 115. The Red Sox are ice cold. They've got Evaldi going versus Luis Garcia, who's been solid. And so those are the five plays that I like early on in the day. As I said, we're going to keep an eye on these. Uh, and then we will post our final plays a little bit later on, a little bit closer to first pitch, maybe a couple hours out. And so that's what we're going to be doing there. Now, as far as the rest of the show goes, the NFL team previews are starting today. Now, this is for audio only. Uh, if you want to go and listen to this, as you finish listening to this, the audio will be posted. And so we're going to feature some special guests over there quite frequently. We're going to be talking fantasy value, talking bets, whether it's win totals, playoffs, whatever it is, maybe to win the division. We're talking football in general as well. So it's going to be a different team every day for the entire month of August and the first day of September to get all 32 teams in. As we said, the NFL season is almost upon us. We want to get some value plays in there, some future bets. NFL, we were two-thirds winners last year. We were over 66%. 
And so we're going to want to make you guys some money over that stretch. But we appreciate everyone who tuned into the live show for today's betting lines. As I said, go listen to the audio version on Apple and Spotify. That's where you'll find today's is the Arizona Cardinals as I was joined by Eric's sports picks. And we will talk about this Cardinals team, whether or not we think they can cross that eight and a half win total. But thank you everyone who tuned in and we will see you tomorrow morning for the Daily Competitive Hedge podcast. Welcome back to the Competitive Hedge podcast. And as advertised in the first half of the show, we are talking NFL team previews. 32 teams in 32 days. We are coming up on the NFL season starting at the beginning of September. And so we're going in alphabetical order as far as teams go. So we are starting with our first team being the Arizona Cardinals. Now, I could not do this team preview alone. So I am joined today by a good friend of mine, one that I met through the Into the Lab podcast. Shout out to Ernest Silva. Uh, and he's also big in the betting space. He is at Eric sports picks on twitter and that is eric mungia welcome how are you doing eric hey hey thank you for having me on your show i am doing great it is wonderful weather we're having in arizona it's about 95 and it's going to hit 105 later on today 95 now i'm trying to think in terms of the fact that i'm canadian that's like <laughs> such foreign language to me um, but I'm looking now we're 72 here in Regina, so we're not quite as warm, but that is warm, I guess, for Regina weather. So, so we'll consider that a, a nice day here. But as I said, Eric, he is an Arizona Cardinals fan. We are talking about the cards today. And this is a team that in 2021, they had a bit of an odd season. I mean, they started the year eight and one, they finished three and five to go 11 and six overall. And then they lost to the Rams in the first round of the playoffs after splitting with them in the regular season. So, Eric, given you guys had gone through a couple of tough years there, how happy were you with the Cardinals 2021 season? You know, if I'm supposed to give it like a grade, I'll give it a C minus. You know, you started off very strong, very, very strong, right? You're in the power rankings. I believe you're in the top three throughout the first eight weeks. Everyone loved you. Everyone was saying this is going to be a Super Bowl team. Watch out. Big contender second half we weren't there it's like the heat here in arizona got to them or i don't know what got to them but the second half was just horrendous and you could tell here especially in arizona that no one was happy i'll give them a c minus see for me i'd give it close to a b minus and it's only because they did improve Like, like it is disappointing obviously how you finish the year when you start out as strong as you do and then you kind of fade late. But that's kind of been the story of the Cardinals the last couple of years. And so as we get into today's preview for 2022, it's they're probably going to have to start strong and whether the schedule wants them to or not, they're going to have to figure out a way to also finish strong because that's where the more winnable games are on this schedule. But there were a couple of major storylines for Arizona, starting with just a few days ago. We saw Kyler Murray get his contract extension. I think the market was set, and that's why you're seeing him get $230.5 million over five years. So what were your thoughts on the Kyler extension? Do you think they're giving him this extension based off of projecting where he's going to go? Do you think he earned it where he's at right now? What are your thoughts overall on it? My thoughts overall, I think it, it's a bit much for Kyler, in my opinion. You know, He, in my opinion, hasn't really proved a lot here in Arizona yet. You're so new. You're 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 coming in you really haven't done much in my opinion right yeah you, you had a heart you, you had you have had a wonderful start don't get me wrong but 
finish. You have to learn how to finish. And especially with, if we're going to go into the contract details, I mean, they added, hey, start reviewing tape. I mean, that's a huge concern of mine, right? Jamarcus Russell 2.0 maybe? I mean, that is terrible. I will say at least Jamarcus, like, well, Kyler knows how to put the fork down on like Jamarcus did, and that's why he was <laughs> out of the league as quickly as he was. But, I mean, when you look at Kyler, I agree. He hasn't proven a lot yet. He did just get them to the playoffs, did not look impressive in that playoff game. He's got the high completion percentage. That seems to be what a lot of people point to. A lot of it is kind of the shorter routes that he's throwing to. So I do think that inflates the numbers a little bit. He does make plays with his legs. That's one of the one of the big pros when it comes to Kyler. But he needs to figure out how to finish season strong. Um, they need to figure out a way to win a playoff game this year. At very minimum, get to the playoffs. And they are going to be in tough early on, especially because we know that no DeAndre Hopkins for the first six games. So could this be a major obstacle for the Cardinals? Do you think that them bringing in guys like Hollywood Brown will help kind of ease them in uh, to when D-Hop comes back? What are your thoughts overall on his suspension? Um, I mean, it sucks, you know, it's gone for six games, and this is where we needed our wide receiver core to come up and step up. You know, I think Hollywood Brown was a great pickup, in my opinion. I'm a huge fan of Brown. Um, he did fantastic with their Ravens, in my opinion. Yes, he needs to work on his hands. He needs to stop dropping the balls. Don't get me wrong, you know, but I think over time he'll learn how to improve. He's young. He's very young. So over the years, he'll get better. I think you're going to see a lot more of, of Hollywood Brown. You're going to see a lot more of A.J. Green. And also one name that isn't isn't out there a lot, Isabella. He's going to come up, especially he's a deep threat. I'm not sure how how familiar you are with the Cardinals roster. He reminds me of, of, a, of a John Brown. I'm not sure you remember the deep yeah. man John Brown from years ago. He reminds me a lot of him. He's fast. He's able to catch the ball. But the issue is, can you throw the ball that deep? Yeah, he doesn't throw a lot of deep balls. Like, I don't know. I, I think he does kind of rely on those kind of five Shorts. to eight yard routes. Yeah. And so it, this is a team that has plenty of weapons. I mean, they're they're not short on those. You mentioned Hollywood Brown. They brought in Zach Ertz last year via trade. They have A.J. Green, Rondale Moore going into his second year, the little speedster. He could play a big role in this offense. And then you've still got James Conner in the backfield as well, as well as Benjamin. So this is a team that has plenty of weapons. The, the issue is that first six games that we keep alluding to, like the first six games, they get the Chiefs right off the bat. Then you get the new look Raiders. You get the defending Super Bowl champs and the Rams. You get the Panthers. Will it be Baker? Will it be Darnold? But that defense is solid. The Eagles went to the playoffs last year. And then you cap it off with the Seattle Seahawks. Not a great Seahawks team now that they don't have Russell Wilson and are rolling with Drew Locke. So I think they need to figure out a way to go 500 over that stretch. And that's easier said than done when you're looking at four playoff teams from a year ago, a couple of which got a lot better. So I do think that the Cardinals are going to struggle a bit out of the gate. And that's why, as we said, they need to figure out a way to win late in the year because we're talking about games down the stretch where you get the Patriots, you get the Falcons, you're going to play the 49ers twice. You got to figure out a way to split there. You get Seattle again, you get the Saints. Like there are some winnable games in there down the stretch. Just are we going to see that good Cardinals team or are we going to see, you know, the Cardinals team that we saw late last year? And so that's why the last kind of, topic I think heading into the year for the Cardinals is that head coaching position in Cliff Kingsbury because we said last year that he might have been on the hot seat then they start really strong they get to the playoffs 
So you consider that a win that they advanced further than they had the year prior. But is Cliff on the hot seat this year? If they don't make the playoffs, then is he going to be out of there in Arizona? I truly believe so. I mean, unfortunately, Arizona sports is not the best, as you guys could see. But I think Cliff Kelsberry is on the hot seat. I mean, he's 24 and 24, barely at 500. You know, he you get him to the playoffs. But I truly believe if he does not get this team to the playoffs again, and at least pass that first round or do something in that division that shows you that you deserve to be here. I believe he's gone. I think he has to as well, because when I'm looking at this Cardinals team, like, as you said, he's 500 as a coach. If you get to the playoffs, that's one thing, but if you get to the playoffs and then you look as flat as you did against the Rams last year, then regardless of the D hop suspension, you made some moves to bring in some guys. So you have to look at that and say, well, have we plateaued at that point? Right. And so I do agree if they lose in the first round, but they lose to like a really good Rams team or, or maybe to Tampa Bay and they put up a great fight, maybe you consider bringing him back. But I think Kingsbury's going to be done by the end of the year. I don't have a, as much faith in this Arizona team as a lot of other people might. And so I think you could be in trouble there as far as your head coach goes. Now, let's get into the betting side of things, because there's a couple bets that you have out there right now whether it's regular season win total, as well as will the Cardinals make the playoffs. So let's start with that win total betting line, because right now I think Vegas got it bang on at eight and a half, because to me, like they're going to be eight or nine. Like, like I think that they're either starting out not as strong as people would hope. Maybe they go two and four, they make a bit of a late push and they finish on eight, or maybe they surprise some people. They go 500 over that stretch and then they finish at nine and eight potentially in the playoffs. I think it might get you in the playoffs in the NFC this year. I don't know if nine and eight gets you in the playoffs in the AFC. So what are your thoughts on the win total betting line here? I, I completely agree with you. They hit it right on right on the mark. You know, I honestly believe it'll be a nine win team. Um, they they may get 10, you know, or they may sneak a few in the division, right? They might, they're going to hopefully they sweep Seattle because as you mentioned earlier, you alluded earlier, it's a, it's a weaker team. And if they sneak some out in against the Rams and against the 49ers, I mean, you're there, but it's going to be very, very hard. And I do believe Vegas got it right. Yeah, I think they have it bang on when it comes to this betting line. And Vegas, I, I do think, rarely misses on these. Like when you see a line that might be a little bit too outrageous, you're still sitting there like, well, Vegas must know something. And right. they are projecting them to be under the eight and a half total right now. You got minus 115 for the under and then minus 106 for the over. So it's very close. I think that I think it comes down to those first six games. Like we mentioned the schedule that they have. I think they go three and three. They go over. I think if they go two and four or worse, then they're definitely going to go under here. Down the stretch also isn't there's not a lot of winnable games down the stretch when you've got the Chargers depends what Chargers team we see. Will they take the next step like everyone's projecting? Are you going to see Denver figure it out early on with Russell Wilson? And then late in the year, they start to peak. That's a, re a really good team that just needed a quarterback, and now they have it. And then you got the Buccaneers, who just won the Super Bowl a couple years ago. You got Tom. They brought in Julio. A lot of weapons there in Tampa Bay. So I think you go 3-3. Three and three, You win some games in that kind of middle part of your schedule where you've got Seattle again. You maybe beat the Vikings, the Saints, teams like that. Then I think they could be in a really good spot. So you're saying 9-8. and eight. So then that would mean when it comes to the making the playoffs, 
you're on the yes train, I would assume, at minus 105? You know, it depends how everyone else plays. It's going to be very, very difficult. I'm on the no train for the playoffs. I think that those first six weeks are going to be very, very terrible for them. I mean, they as, as you alluded, three and three, but if something happens, right, if if – if Kyler isn't 100% not playing great, right, the running game isn't there, nobody's catching, right, if Hollywood Browns still can't catch two and four, and if Cliff would even finish the season, who knows, you know, if if they if they can't win games. But I, I don't mean, see I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if they start two and four if they can, Cliff. Like, like one and five to me, he's out then. Because Absolutely. they're like, there's no way that you're going to start the year one and five, regardless of schedule, regardless of no D-hop. You can't start the season one and five and keep going when you have a, a QB like Kyler that you're paying like Kyler. I think that's heightened the pressure on Kingsbury by giving Kyler this deal. And so, yeah, I, two and four, you maybe see him get fired, especially they get the Saints the week after. If you get D-Hop back and you lose to the Saints, then I think he's 100% out. So I'm on the no train as well. Obviously, I have them around that eight win total, which won't be enough to get it done even in the NFC. So I would agree on that front. Now, let's talk fantasy wise, because there's a lot of players that you could draft on this Cardinals team in fantasy this year, even some late sleepers. We talked about some of the wide receivers. So let's start with the QB position, though, which is Kyler Murray. He's QB six as far as the rankings go. His ADP is 58. So I typically go off a 12-team league. That That's the normal that I play as a 12-team. So that would mean Kyler is a late fifth-round pick based off his ADP. Now, when we're talking where he is, he's at, he's behind what I would deem the big five, which is Allen, Mahomes, Herbert, Jackson, and Burrow. But he is ahead of some good quarterbacks in Russell Wilson, in Dak Prescott, Tom Brady, and then Jalen Hurts is a great fantasy option. So do you think they have it right with where he's at ADP wise? And would you draft Kyler this year? I think they have him pretty, pretty solid, maybe a few spots lower. Um, and I possibly would draft them in the seventh round. There's obviously the better quarterbacks. The thing is with them. Yes. He's a dual quarterback. Don't get me wrong. He could rush in, he could throw, but the situation is how good is he going to be this year? Right. Is he actually going to be throwing the ball more often to win games? Or is he going to just try with his feet and keep on running, you know? And he's a small person. Don't get me wrong, right? Easier to get hurt. Yeah, and that that's one thing that concerns me is he did miss some time last year. When you look at the rushing aspect, he's probably good for 50 yards pretty consistently when it comes to fantasy. So you're looking at five points just off of his legs. But I just, looking at the fact that you would have to draft him late fifth, maybe early sixth, I'm just, I'm not in on Kyler. I had him last year in fantasy. Um, he was great early on, looked like an MVP candidate. I had him as MVP last year, and I thought that I looked like a genius. And then down the stretch, he misses some time, and then he's hurt. Uh, so I I wouldn't draft him when I'm looking at the fact that I can get Russell around later, I can get Dak around later, even Tom. Or, or Rodgers doesn't have the weapons, but he's still the back-to-back MVP. So you can get him in the eighth round. I think you can round out your roster with better guys and not rely on Kyler. So. I wouldn't be drafting him this year. Running back wise, we got James Conner. He's running back 16. His ADP is 31st overall. And we were talking about it before we went live. There's a couple running backs that maybe should be ahead of him as far as ADP goes. When we're talking about 
who he's ahead of. He's ahead of Cam Akers coming off the injury, but looked really good with the Rams. You've got David Montgomery, who had a good year with the Bears. You got the rookie in Brees Hall. How's he going to look in that Jets offense? And then you've got Antonio Gibson. So out of those four names, is there a couple that you think could be ahead of a guy like James Conner? Um, personally, um, as we talked before, I think Akers is one of them for sure. And I also see Gibson, if I'm being honest. I think it's going to be a lot of short handoffs. Uh, not, not to sidetrack, it's going to be a lot of short handoffs to Gibson, which give you pretty good fantasy points there, right? One point per pat, uh, per catch, right? And then after yards, depending on how fast he runs. But I think they have him a little bit high. But overall, don't get me wrong, right? Last year, great numbers, right? 202 touches, 700 plus yards, 15 touchdowns, right? Look at that touchdowns, right? But also, you have to understand last year, who did they have as running back one, right? Um, he was your third down and back, right? He was always at the goal line. This up and coming year, let's see how he does. I get concerned when you're relying so heavily on touchdowns because he was only he was under four yards of carry last year. That is a lot of attempts, but not a lot of yards. So you are banking on Connor to get you a touchdown every week. And I don't know if that's sustainable. Like you talked about Akers. I like David Montgomery a lot. And I think that he's going to have a pretty solid year for the Bears. But when it comes to running backs that are uh, behind them, like you've got Javante, Zeke, and Fournette. Like I don't love Fournette this year. A lot has been made of his weight. And I think because he's in a Tom Brady offense, he's maybe getting a lot of credit here. But I, I would take a guy like James Conner over Fournette. Now, when we're talking about like this entire crew, I'm probably not looking too far into James Conner from a fantasy perspective. I don't like relying on 15 touchdowns. I don't know if he also has the injury history. He didn't have it last year, but it is something that has been there early on in his career. So it is a bit of a concern for me. Wide receiver wise, this is where you take a little bit of a gamble with, with this wide receiving core. So we're talking about Hollywood Brown is the number one fantasy as far as ADP goes for this team. He's wide receiver 23. His ADP is 57th right now. This is all based off of PPR as well. If you're still playing standard, then you're still in the Stone Age. So <laughs> guys that are ahead of him. So you've got Godwin, you've got Allen Robinson, and you got Brandon Cooks. And then you've got Cooper Sutton and Mike Williams. Are Those are the guys that he's in that category of. So if you're in that area, you've got a choice of these guys. Is Brown one that you're considering? It, with those guys that you mentioned, no. I mean, Mike Evans is there. Mike Evans has been consistent year by year by year. You know, great receiver. But if Brown goes down a little bit, I'll I'll get him. You know, but it is a bit of a gamble, right? I don't he, like taking him in the fifth round. Is my thing, as you said. If you get him a bit later, if you yeah. can have him slip to six or seven, I think about it. I definitely think about it. In my opinion, same here. If he slips down to the seventh round, pick him up. He's going to be the big man on campus for the first six weeks, especially with D-Hop be, not being here, right? He's on suspension. He's going to come back. And then afterwards, then you, we could reevaluate. But he's going to be there. And I, I strongly believe he's going to be your flex player. Yeah, I, I think he has to be a flex wide receiver for you. That entire crew, like, there's not a lot of great QBs there. Like, even when we're talking Amari Cooper, we're assuming that Deshaun's going to miss quite a bit this season. So now you're relying on Jacoby Brissett to get him the ball. I don't love that. We'll see if it's Sutton or Judy who wins out in Denver with Russell Wilson. Either way, good QB play there. Mike Williams has got Herbert. You've got Godwin with Tom. Allen Robinson, I don't know what to expect after last year because he was probably the biggest bust in all of fantasy football last year. 
And then you've got Brandon Cooks, who is probably relying on Davis Mills, which is not a great situation either. So I will say having Kyler there helps. Now, if you're not going to draft Hollywood, you could play the D-hop option. Now, as we said, he's going to miss six games. So if you're drafting him, you probably need to have solid wide receiving core in general until he comes back, because we're talking about guys that are ahead of him, Michael Thomas, Mooney, and Adam Thielen. And then behind him, you've got Juju, you've got London, who's the rookie in Atlanta, and then Bateman. So are you risking it with D-Hop missing the first six games that you can hang on long enough to then plug him in and then he's going to be good to go? Because this is a different situation than a Michael Thomas last year who misses the whole year because he was just sitting out now and apparently had injuries. (laughs) D-Hop, we know that he's going to be 100%. He just has the PEDs issue, so he will be back week seven. So what are your thoughts on D-Hop? D-Hop, I think he's going to come in and... and do great it just it's going to take time to adjust in my opinion you know because if you look at the schedule right after week six have a thursday night game against the saints is that going to be good enough is that going to be quick enough to him and come and play and especially knowing how the cards of cardinals would play and if they play good then yeah we'll be jumping in they'll have them play right away he'll be able to understand where kyler's at but if they're playing terrible right it's a different situation right you might play a little bit more conservatively And I think that's, we talked about the Kingsbury situation. Like what if Kingsbury gets canned in those first six games? That could change the offense entirely. Plus Kyler's going to have to develop with with Brown, with Moore, and then you're going to try and plug D-Hop into that offense. I do think it's a bit of a gamble. Now I'm not looking to draft London. I don't want an Atlanta wide receiver at all (laughs) this year. I, I don't love the Bateman one. He's okay, I guess. Juju being plugged into KC, that's an intriguing one. And I like Thielen, Mooney, and Michael Thomas. So I think he's appropriately ranked based off the fact you know you're going to miss him for a third of the year. You are just taking a big gamble drafting a guy like D-Hop, hoping that your fantasy team can get through those first number of weeks and then you get him back at 100%. Now, when we're talking about players that I love in fantasy, we got to go to the tight end situation, which is Zach Ertz in Arizona. Now, he's tight end nine. His ADP is 90. When we're talking about where he's ranked, he's uh, behind guys like Dalton Schultz and Dallas Goddard. But he is ahead of guys like Dawson Knox, who was a big TD target in Buffalo last year, Fryermuth playing with Trubisky, and then you've got Mike Gesicki in Miami. Will he get a lot of touchdowns now that they have Tyreek and Waddle? So do you think Ertz is in the right spot? Do you think he's maybe being a little bit overrated? What do you think? I think it's it's a little overrated. I mean, to your point, right? You got Gesicki there. I mean, you, you might have some of those passes move away from him, especially having Tyreek there. But Knox, I mean, Knox caught. You know, I mean, there he's he's a good he's a good tight end. But I think he's he's about two to three positions, two or three spots above than what I I would have him. Not in the top ten per se, but maybe t- top twelve. Especially, I would like for him to to come out of his shell a little bit, especially being traded midway coming to the Cardinals half halfway throughout the season, you know. I want to see how he's going to play in these first couple of weeks, right? Is he going to adjust really well? Is he going to be able to be our big man down down in the end zone once we give him the ball? Yeah, when it comes to the thing that's encouraging for me is when I looked at Ertz's numbers the last four weeks, he had 11 targets, 13 targets, 9 and 10. And so when you've got no D-hop, you're going to have Hollywood's going to try and figure out his role in this offense. But Kyler right away seemed to love Ertz. 
And so if we're talking about a tight end getting potentially 10 targets a game, now I don't think that's sustainable over a whole year. But even if we're talking eight targets a game, I think that's huge value when it comes to a position where once you get past Kelsey, Anders, and Kittle, then you're like, man, I, I don't know. Am I taking a shot on Hawkinson or, or Pitts who aren't in great situations? Or do I go with a guy like Ertz a bit later on where we're talking about him being in the eighth round and then you could get some serious value there. So to me, this is the guy to own in this offense just strictly based off of where he's at, what his situation has been like in Arizona since he's got there. So I'm a bit higher on Zach Ertz than most. And when it comes to to defenses and kickers, that's not going to be something that we touch on here unless they're an elite kicker or an elite defense. Like we're talking about the 22nd ranked defense in fantasy, unless Arizona's playing Seattle, uh, maybe the Saints, you're hoping Winston throws three picks. Like this <laughs> probably isn't a defense that you're looking to start very often. And I honestly couldn't tell you who the Cardinals kicker is right now. They've had so many over the last number of years that I'm not in on on the Cardinals kickers. Can you tell me who the Cardinals kicker is? Uh, Matt Prater. You guys have Matt Prater? Yep. Wow. To be honest, I'm kind of shocked that he's still in the league, but also like he's been around for so long that he's kind of just he's kind of just that guy that you're hoping to to just fill the void not miss too many kicks the thing about Prater is he if you are in a league of 50 plus yard field goals as additional points which I know that is one uh in a league that I play in then that wouldn't be a terrible option because he might kick 550 yarders throughout the year but overall it's (laughs) I'm just shocked that he's still in the league so let's recap uh, what are your expectations for the Cardinals for this year? What what would you consider a successful season and how do you think it goes overall? All right. So a uh, successful season for the Cardinals would be 10 plus wins and making it to the playoffs. That will be a successful season, winning 10 games and also getting more than three wins in the division or even just get exactly three wins that in that extremely difficult division, getting 10 wins and making it to the playoffs. Succession, Cliff Kingsbury stays another year. Kyle Murray, depending how he plays, deserves that contract. But I, oh, go yeah, no, go go ahead. But what I would, what I do want to say is, it's going to be those six weeks are just. It's it's a it's a terrible terrible six weeks, right? You got like like you mentioned, Kansas City. You got the new look Raiders. You got the Rams first three weeks. And then looking at the second half of the season, you know, I'm expecting maybe. Eight wins, eight, nine wins, right? And I think Cliff will be out out the door by the end of the year. I think that if we're talking about what's the most winnable game for you guys in that first six weeks against one of those good teams, I actually think it's Kansas City. And it's only because it's the opening game. They're going to be adjusting to no Tyreek. They're trying to get Juju back into the offense. I think there's potential there to steal a win because you guys did it to Tennessee last year. He came out firing and everyone was like, wow, the Cardinals just beat the brakes off the Titans who had a high expectations. So I think if you are going to steal a game in that first six weeks, it'll be the Chiefs. Now, I think successful season for you guys would be 10 wins. I think if it's nine, then you still consider that a success. You're above what Vegas is projecting you to win. So I think that nine making the playoffs at nine, if you win nine games and you miss the playoffs, You can't consider that a successful season. They have to show up in the playoffs in order to keep Kingsbury's job. 
and or just at least be there in order to consider him moving forward. So, but I think they're going to finish at eight and nine. They're going to just miss out on playoffs. And I think there's just there's a lot going on with this group. You may need a, a new coach in order to kind of rein it all in. And I think it wouldn't be the worst thing for you guys to go eight and nine into Ditch Cliff because I think he might just be a bad fit with what you guys have going on there. So that's what that's what I think is realistically going to happen with this season. But that was your Arizona Cardinals preview. I appreciate Eric coming on today. Promote your work over on Twitter at Eric Sports Picks. It sounds like he's been having a pretty good betting month. So why don't you let the folks at home know? All right, everyone. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Sports Picks. So far this month, I am doing pretty well. I am sorry. I <laughs> thought I had it up. I am doing so far so well. I'm 51 wins, 48 losses, and two pushes. Um, so far today, two for two on Nerfies. Got three more later on today. But follow me if you want to cash in. Appreciate you coming on the show, man. As I've said, uh quite a bit on this show we're going to be doing nfl team previews every single day for the month of august and the first day of september so be sure to tune in to the audio version of the show that's where you'll find all of these team previews the morning show will be strictly talking about the betting lines and so i cannot thank eric enough once again for coming on and we will see you guys tomorrow for the daily competitive hedge podcast